0: Uh, Brother David's preaching kind of connected with a lot that we've already heard. Um, I feel that what I have on my heart to share with the congregation this morning may be slightly different, but um, I'm at a disadvantage uh, at this point in my life. I don't, I don't know what to preach other than just preach what the Lord gives me. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to the 30th chapter of the book of Proverbs. The thirtieth chapter of the book of Proverbs, um, and just for a little while this morning, I want us to to look at verse twenty four through verse twenty eight. And uh, my my son is with us this morning. There's a part of this that uh, came up in our conversation on the way to church this morning. Um, I thought about this quite a bit uh, last week with some experiences that uh, my family had last week and also with a lot that we've talked about this weekend. Solomon writes here, by inspiration of spirit, Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 24, there are four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat, that's their food, in the summer. The conies, which a conie is like a little rock badger, it's about the size of a, of a rabbit that we would have here in Union County, North Carolina, are but a feeble folk, yet make they their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king. Yet go they forth all of them by bands. The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in kings' palaces. Four things that are very little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise the ants, the conies, the locust, and the spider. You know, all the preaching this weekend has been directing our minds toward truth, wisdom, wisdom. And wisdom should be something that we, the children of God, should should strive for. You know, Solomon, when he spoke to Rehoboam, that was his son, Solomon would encourage Rehoboam to seek wisdom and understanding. I love what he said there in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. With all thy getting, get understanding. With all thy getting. And that is a big word, with all thy getting. What that means is you get after it and you stay after it. And you lay hold on on wisdom and, and knowledge. You know, there's three basic ways we get knowledge and wisdom. One way we get wisdom and knowledge is just going to wisdom personified. Who is wisdom personified? Who knows it all? God knows it all God knows it all I I love what the old preacher used to say down in South Georgia The one that wrote that book Ain't got nothing to learn God knows it all God never learned anything in wisdom James teaches us In James chapter 1 and verse 5 If any man lack wisdom Let him ask God That giveth to every man liberally and upbraideth not If you want wisdom You can just ask God and God's able to give it to you Why? Because God knows God knows Another way we can get wisdom is spending time with wise people. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 20, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. You want to get some wisdom? Spend some time with wise people. Now, the alternative to that is, the other side is, if you want to be a fool, just hang around fools. If you want to act like a fool, just spend time with foolish people. I want to tell all the young people in church today, if you want to be foolish, and if I know anything about being foolish, I can look back at my life and say, I've done some foolish things. I've done some foolish things hanging around some foolish people. I mean, I've got in some trouble hanging around some foolish people, my daddy said, why would you do such a thing? And And I thought, you know, if I would have been by myself, I probably wouldn't have done it, but I got around some foolish people, and... If there's one thing that encourages foolishness, it's other foolishness. But if you want to be wise, spend time with wise people. The third way we get wisdom is by seeking wisdom in God's Word. By seeking wisdom in those things that God has given us. You know, sometimes people get a little confused about finding wisdom and seeking for wisdom, and they think, well, you know, Philosophers of this world in times past. We can just always depend on them for wisdom. And I will agree there's been some philosophers that have said things that have been intelligent. But I will assure you if any philosopher has ever said anything intelligent and right, God said it first. God said it first. But we can't always depend on philosophers. And what philosopher is, philosophia, that would be the Greek, it's a lover of wisdom and knowledge. Paul told us over in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, there's vain philosophy. What that means is there's a philosophy that's empty of God's wisdom. It's nothing to do with just things in the world. So you can't always depend on philosophers. Someone else would say, I'll tell you what, if you want... Real wisdom, we can, we can depend on science. Science. You know what science is? Science is the study of observable and repeatable information. That's what science is. You know, the word science in our world today, the definition's been twisted to something it's, it's not. And there's science that's in this world that's, that's right and it's accurate. True science confirms the Word of God. That's all it does. True science agrees with God's Word. But the Apostle Paul warns us in 1 Timothy 6, and verse 20, you can't always depend on science because there is science falsely so called. Some people call it science, but it's not science. It's not science. It's just some of men's ideas, and sometimes what they'll do, they'll take data and they'll twist data to make it make sense to the carnal mind. They say, this is science. No, it's not science. It's science falsely so, so called. You know, believing in God actually sometimes requires us to to look beyond the natural, right? (laughs) Because God is able to do something beyond natural. God can make iron swim. (laughs) Remember that in the days of Elisha when God made the iron swim? Yeah, God can do beyond the natural. So we can't always depend on something that says it's science. We can't always depend on something called philosophy. Well, what can we depend on for wisdom? To God, We can always depend on God for wisdom. You know, and there's more than one kind of wisdom in this world. You know, James chapter 3 and verse 15 through 17 teaches us there's more than one kind of wisdom. James says in James chapter 3 and verse 15, there's the wisdom that descendeth not from above. It's earthly and sensual and devilish. That's carnal wisdom. That's the wisdom of this world. It's earthly. It's all earthly. It's sensual. That word sensual is like uh, animal activity of devouring. The earthly wisdom is nothing but devouring. It sounds like the devil who would seek to kill and destroy, right? Earthly wisdom is devouring. Wow, well, I'm convinced there's a wisdom of this world that devours. It would devour everything of God. You know, because we have a carnal nature, we can find connection to that. And it will devour. It will devour everything spiritual about you. But James told us in verse seventeen that wisdom that's of God is peaceable, gentle. It's full of fruits. It's happiness. So there's two types of wisdom. Do you remember Jesus said in Luke chapter sixteen and verse eight, "The children of this world and their generation are wiser than the children of light." That's an amazing text. What he's saying is people in this world who are nothing but worldly are actually wiser than the children of God. In what things? Spiritual things? No. Earthly things. Earthly things. Remember Mark Twain said never argue with a fool. He'll pull you down to his level with you with experience. There's people in this world that have nothing but worldly wisdom. And they know how to do this better than you ever will as children of God. Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 3, the king of Tyre, the Bible said he was wiser than Daniel. In what? In what? In spiritual things? No. In prophetic things? No. In carnal things? In carnal things. Have you ever thought about the the child of God? The child of God has two natures. We're a dual complex creature. Yeah, we still have our carnal nature we inherited from Adam, but within us, and we see the evidence of grace in our lives, we have the spiritual nature, and those two natures are contrary to one another. They're fighting. Do you know that you will never be, because of that nature, you can never be the carnal man that your carnal nature would like to be, and at the same time in this world, you will never be, the obedient child of God that your inner man wants to be because you have two things that fight against one another. Now, praise God, there's coming a day when we can be the child of God that our inner man wants to be when Jesus puts away the carnal nature and we're with him in heaven. Until then, we'll just have to have a fight within ourselves. Well, who wins the fight? Who wins the fight within me? I tell you who's going to win the fight, And when I feed the most. That's who's going to win the fight. If I feed my carnal nature, my carnal nature is going to dominate my life. If I feed the spiritual nature, my spiritual nature is going to dominate my life. And I'm able to rule over that. you remember Jesus said he's made us kings and priests to God? A king rules over things, right? I want to be a king unto God. And by being a king, it would be ruling over my my carnal nature. With these verses of Scripture we read, Solomon tells Rehoboam, tells his son, and of course all of us as readers, you seeking wisdom. <laughs> we don't have to go to the grand things of this world. Mm-mm. We don't have to go and spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours in libraries. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you want, you want some wisdom? Just look at these small things that God created. They'll teach you something. They will teach you things that carnal men cannot figure out. These little small things. The ant, the coney, the locust, and the spider. What what does this teach us, Brother Ronnie? Or the ant. What's, what's the wisdom of the ant? I mean, they're a little folk. But he says they prepare their meat in summer. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6. Solomon tells us something else about the ant. He tells his son, he tells the reader, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. You know, I'm amazed at that. Her ways. It didn't say his ways, it said her ways. Did you know it's the female ant that goes out and does all the work? It's not the male ant. The female ant goes out and and does all the work. Wow, how did Solomon know that? How did Solomon know it's the female ant that went out and done all the work? Did Solomon have a microscope to know that? Mm -mm, He didn't. But the one that made the ant revealed it to Solomon. Solomon understood by God that made the ant, it was the little female ant that goes out and does the work. Now, don't get me wrong here, misinterpret that I'm saying the female should be going out and doing all the work. <laughs> That's just the way it is with ants, okay? We've well, got to be careful, Brother Phil. Man, get himself some big trouble in a pulpit. <laughs> Give a little clarity to that. Go to the ant, thou slugger. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler. Provided her meat in the summer and gather with her food in time of harvest. See, the ant has this wisdom. It knows it can't wait till there's snow on the ground. Can't wait till it's cold to start getting food. The ant's wisdom is preparing, preparing for winter, preparing for a, a difficult time. The wisdom of preparation. Wow, there's a lot of wisdom just in that. The wisdom of of preparation, preparing. Do you know? Here in this life, we're all going to have troubles. Just as sure as sparks fly upward, Eliphaz said, "Man is going to have troubles." Jesus said in John chapter sixteen and verse thirty-three, "Man, this born of a woman. That man is born of a woman." Jesus said, "In this world, you shall have tribulation." Job said, "Man, this born of a woman is a few days. He's full of troubles. You're gonna, you're gonna have troubles. You're gonna face difficult times." We're not always on the mountain. But when we have opportunity to prepare, for the dip, we should prepare and make ourselves ready for the difficult times that, that will come. You know, when we're young, we should prepare ourselves for old age. We should prepare ourselves for old age. You remember Solomon teaches in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. You know, my daddy used to tell me when I was a young preacher, memorize all the Bible that you can. He said, because when you get older, you got a lot more to think about than you do right now, son. You know, people tell me when you get old, you don't have the mind you used to have. No, I think you just got a lot more to think about. You know, when I was about 18, I didn't have a lot to think about. All I had to do was keep up with my keys and my billfold, and I had a hard time doing that sometimes. You know, I just go out and crank up my car, go to school, come back home, that's about it, go to bed. Mama wash my clothes, mama have my food ready for me. Everything's great, not a lot to think about. Well, you know, when I moved out of from home, I had a lot more to think about. You know, I got married, had a lot more to think about. Now I got to keep up all my insurance bills, all my tax bills, and all kinds of bills, and this, and this, and that, and that. Next thing you know, I got a lot to think about, and it's hard to remember everything, right? You know, when you get older, it's not that your mind, I think, gets weaker, it's just you got a lot more to think about. It's like a computer, you know, that has a lot on it. I mean, it begins to get slower. Well, a man should prepare himself for old age. It's preparation. You know, we, sometimes we talk to people who want to plan for retirement. That's preparing for old age. The wisdom of the ant teaches us we should prepare. You know, the preacher of the gospel. The preacher of the gospel should prepare himself for the time in the pulpit. Paul told Timothy to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. The preacher should be studying the Bible, reading the Bible, meditating upon the Bible, listening to other preachers, preparing himself. What happens if he doesn't prepare himself? Well, wintertime comes, you're in the pulpit, and you'll stand up there and be ashamed. I don't know what to say. Uh, I ain't got nothing to say. I I can't remember nothing. And it happens. Church, the church prepares itself for, for services. There's a lot of preparation made for this weekend service. I know, I'm, I was involved in some of it. There's a lot of the preparation that was made that I wasn't even involved in. A lot of work, preparing for service. You know, children, children are prepared, prepared for life. The Bible teaches us over in Psalms chapter 127, there in verse 4 and 5. As errors are in the hands of a mighty man, so are children their youth. You know what parents should be doing for children? Doing everything for them? No, preparing them for life. That's it. Train up a child in the way in which he should go. If you ever thought about an arrow in the hand of a mighty man? He pulls back that bow. He's got a goal. He wants that arrow to hit. And he should be aiming that child toward that goal of being an upstanding disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ here in this world. A good citizen living by civil laws here in the United States of America. And they should be. we should be preparing our kids for that goal. Now just because we do all the work doesn't guarantee it'll happen. But I tell you, it sure don't hurt. Preparing your kids, preparing your children for life. We should be preparing ourselves for the next trouble that we have. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21, He that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man.
1: Wow, wise
0: man that builds his house on the rock. So when troubles come and those rains come, that house is still, still stood. The ant teaches us the wisdom of preparation, preparing ourselves, preparing ourselves. Do you know the devil in the world? The devil hates you being at the house of God. The devil hates that you spend time in God's Word. The devil hates that you'd be in fellowship with God. The devil wants to separate you away from all things that are right and all things that are good. That's what he wants. But we should prepare ourselves to be able, be able to endure and fight past those efforts of the devil by spending time with the Lord, strengthening ourselves. You know, an athlete will always prepare for a race or prepare for a game, and they'll eat proper foods, right? They'll eat proper foods and get proper liquids in their body and prepare themselves to to do that. You know, I know all of you know I like to ride a bicycle, and I used to. Ride with Elder Stan Lee there in North Georgia, and sometimes Brother Stan would want me to ride Six Gap. Six Gap is six big mountains there in North Georgia, and it's like a hundred miles and 15,000 feet of elevation climb. It is a hard ride. I would start drinking Gatorade and fluids days before that ride. I would make sure my my diet. I would because I had to prepare myself to be able to go that far. To go that far and to work that hard to prepare my body for it. Well, if I didn't prepare my body for it, you know what happened? i It's called hike-a-bike. <laughs> That's when you're going up a hill and your legs give out. You have to get off and start pushing because I wasn't prepared. And that happened to me one time. I just I ran out. Children of God, I don't, I don't want to see you run out. I want to see you prepared for the battle, prepared for the fight, prepared for what's before you. That you had overcome, you know. The Bible talks about the blessings of overcomers. That we'd be prepared and look at this wisdom of this ant. Well, then he mentions the conies. The conies, notice they're feeble folk. They're like a little rabbit, a little rock badger. You know, they have no defense mechanism, but they make their houses in the rocks. You know what this is saying? The wisdom of the Coney is understanding I have no strength in myself, but my strength is in something else, in something else. My protection, my defense is not in me. Its defense is in the rock. You know, living in this cruel world that we live in, this twisted world we live in, which is not getting better, it's getting worse, it's getting worse. There's a lot attacking truth. There's a lot going on that's attacking what's Right. You know, I'm not able to handle this myself. It's bigger than me. But I know where my defense is. Where's my defense? What did David say in Psalm 59 and verse 9? My defense is in the Lord. It's in the Lord. You know, everybody at that time was trying to take David's life. Saul of Kish was trying to take his life. The people in the city was trying to take his life. Everybody's trying to take his life. And he said, well... Where's my defense? It my, my, can't be in Saul Kish. My defense is in God. You know, here in this world, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have enjoyed a lot of liberty here in the United States of America. I'm going to assure you, this, this liberty is not guaranteed in this land. I mean, the church has been attacked and has went through some persecutions. Where's our defense? It's like the Coney's. We've got to know where our defense is. Our defense is in the Lord. You know, if the Lord can can defend Israel in the days of Hezekiah so that not an arrow would be shot at that city. God is able to defend us, and we can just continue to stand up for what's right. The locusts, the locusts, they have no king, but yet they go forth in bands. Locusts don't have a king, but yet they know how to stay together. You saw the locusts fly across the horizon, or fly across, they're all together, right? They don't have a king. Wow, how do they stay together? (laughs) The wisdom of the locusts is in unity. Unity and staying together. You know, the locusts don't even have a king, don't have a standard, but yet they can stay together. You know what's so amazing? We have a standard and we have a king. Why can't we stay together? You know the best way for us to stay together? Concentrate on each... No, concentrate on the standard. What's the standard? It's God and His Word. That's the standard. The Apostle Paul longed for that church at Philippi, those Macedonians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, for them to stay together. Be in unity. Well, the best way to stay in unity is be in unity in God's Word. God's Word. God's Word is right. God's Word is truth. God's Word is not swerving. God's Word is not changing, even though you got people trying to rewrite it. Though <laughs> so God's Word is right. We can, we can have unity in God's Word and what He gave us. You know the best way for us all to stay on the same page in the church? All stay in God's Word. That's it. I can tell you what we need to do if, here at the church. Just keep in mind... What's, what saith the Lord? If we've got, thus saith the Lord. You know, I spoke with Elder James Carlock last weekend over at Lawrence Springs Primitive Baptist Church, and I, I told Brother James, I said, I'm going to give you some advice that was given to me by an older preacher many years ago. He said, whatever you do at church, just make sure you got something you put your finger on. That it says, thus saith the Lord. He's, I said, if you do that as a pastor, you'll always be in peace. Put your finger on it. Thus saith the Lord. I got it right here. You know the best way for us to have unity in the kingdom of God? thus saith the lord whatever god said this is the standard the locusts don't have a king they can stay together surely we can do better than the locust right surely we should be able to do better than the locust what's the wisdom of the locust unity and being together wow man i tell you, if they can stay together surely we can stay together and then verse 28 the spider here's the spider take a home with her hands in, his king, in King's palaces. You know, Joshua and I, I was getting in my truck this morning and I'll tell you, it seemed like every day that I've got in my truck in the last few weeks, Brother John, there is a spider that's built a web between my little shit and my truck. I have got it. I, I came into church and I had some of that web in my hair. <laughs> I was getting web out of my hair in the mirror, that spider, and I, and you, you'd think that spider would just give it up. Every time I go, there it is, right there again. But that spider just won't give it up. How about you? Do you have spiders that get in your house? I know if a spider's in my house, I'll hear Sarah Beth screaming, Spiders, 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 spiders. Well, what about spiders getting in the corners of your house? Do you have spiders getting in the corners of your house? What about when you go sweep them out? Well, I don't have to worry about them anymore. I sweep them out, right? No? I come right back. Man, those spiders just won't give up, will they? Well, I'll sweep them out again. They're there's right back. Are you amazed that that spider just, just will not give up? It's so diligent and enduring. I mean, just will not quit. The wisdom of the spider is that right there. Being diligent and not giving up. There's a lot that happens in life that discourages. You. This world is full of discouragement. Other people can discourage you. The world can get discouraged. I mean you turn on your TV you and get discouraged. Solomon says, Ray Bones, look at that aunt. Don't you think there's a lot to discourage her? That one ant, you know old Loudermilk's discouraging her. <laughs> but she won't give up. I, I guarantee you. if, if I don't if, if she doesn't lose her life. If I park my truck there, the next morning she's going to be there again. Just keep building that web. She won't give up. She dwells in king's palaces. You know the best way for us to continue to dwell in the house of God and to have fellowship with the Lord? Think about that wisdom of that ant. And not allow anything to stop us from putting God first and serving him and his kingdom. Nothing. Not to allow anything to get between me and Jesus. That spider just keeps on and keeps on. She gets down and out. Somebody wash the rain and come and wash her out. She's going to build right back again. Boy, I tell you, the world can throw a lot of floods at you. Throw a lot of rain. Throw a lot of storms. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, the Bible talks about the blessings of the diligence. Have you ever thought about Mary Magdalene? The Bible says that Jesus appeared to her first. That's amazing that Jesus appeared to her first. Why didn't Jesus appear to the Apostle John first? Why didn't he appear to the Apostle Peter first? Why didn't he appear to Nathaniel first? What about blind Bartimaeus? Why didn't he appear to him first? No, it was Mary Magdalene. You know, she was with him the whole time. She wasn't leaving. She was there at the cross. She wouldn't give up. They couldn't scare her away. She wanted to be close to Jesus. The Bible says she stood at the sepulcher. She went there. She wept. She wouldn't give up. She would hold on to those things of the Lord. You know why? God had done something for her. Has God done something for you, dear child of God? God has done something for me. Jesus saved me from hell the hell that I deserve. Jesus has blessed me in my life. Jesus changed my life. I look back, what would I be without Jesus? What would I be without him? Jesus cast seven devils out of her. Yeah, she just held on to the supper. You know, when Jesus comes out of the grave, she thought he was a gardener. She wants to see him. She just wants to hold his body. She thought he was a gardener, but it's the Lord. He's already rose from the dead. You know, Jesus, when he said one thing, all her sorrow was gone. You know what he said? He just said, Mary. Bam! That was it. That's it. Jesus appeared to her first because she held on the Titus. She held on the Titus. You know what? When Jesus appears to his people, I want to be there. I want to be there. Like yesterday, when God could, wow, man, I felt like he just let down the hem of his garment here for us, the children of God to reach out. I want to be there when God does that. And I want to hold on to the Lord and enjoy those rich blessings. You know, the world, they can't afford blessings like that. You can't get that out in the world. We get that in the kingdom of God. You know the way we get in the kingdom of God by thinking about the wisdom of the spider and we don't give up. We don't give up. Sometimes it's it seems like the easy path to say, you know you what, know, we can just go a different way. It'll be all right. It won't be all right. It won't be all right. It won't be all right with your soul. It won't be all right with your heart. When I was down in Georgia and I pastored a church in Georgia this brother there, his name was Charles Autry. Brother Charles was one of my precious friends. He's gone home to be with the Lord. I preached his funeral. Brother Charles had cancer. taking some chemo man I mean he was struggling I was about ready to go in the pulpit on Sunday and I looked back I saw Brother Charles with his walker with his oxygen he come into church and he sat sit back there in the back I started preaching he had tears in his eyes I thought to myself there's that wisdom of that spider right there he wouldn't even allow that to hinder him spending time with God. What an example. You know, Brother Charles was able to recover from that cancer. He, later it came back and he passed and went home to be with the Lord. And I had many years of fellowship with Brother Charles, but I remembered that. I remembered that. And that has been an encouragement to me since that time. Him and his willingness and effort to overcome just to spend time with the church and with the Lord. The wisdom of the spider. See, we don't have to look out at the big things of life. You can just look at the ants. You can look at the little locusts, little conies. And you can look at the spiders. And you see a lot that will help us enjoy more time of rejoicing in the Lord. May God richly bless you in prayer. If there's anyone here that would like to come forward and ask for a home here at Union Grove, Primitive Baptist Church, please do so. While we stand and sing, what's him? hymn number, Brother John? 154. 154.